right, Senya, um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you traveled a long way here. You came all the way from the Dominican Republic, right? Your plane brought you, um, well, planes. You took multiple planes, right, to arrive here today. I appreciate you coming out. Um, I should adjust my microphone before we started. But, uh, yeah, pretty interesting. I had to bring you on. Um, you have an amazing story. And uh, we've talked a lot on the phone about it, even in person. And um, I think that, um, you know, our listeners uh, will uh, find you pretty amazing. But first, how was your trip to the DR? My trip was good. And um, first of all, thank you for having me here. Uh, my trip was uh, very rewarding. I got to spend time with my sister down there and see family. Cool, cool. Were you in the countryside, the city, or where were you? Uh, I was in the city. I didn't have time this time to go visit my countryside. Your countryside. Yeah. And when you say countryside, we're talking country, countryside. Country, right? country. Dirt road, no running water, no electricity. Um, things got gotten better lately. Uh -huh. They do have those things and even Wi-Fi. But back in the day, we didn't even wear shoes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you telling me that. We went on a walk uh, a few days ago and we saw that little water creek. And you go, hey. I mean, that water creek was probably what? Maybe four feet wide, maybe yeah. one foot deep. Uh-huh. And yeah. you're like, and what would you used to do? Uh, we were like, oh, I used to wash, like, shower and during the raining season in the property. My mother still have, like, a piece of land. Um, so we got, like, those creeks, but it's only during the raining season. And mm -hmm. so it's close to the house. Um, a lot of the time, because we collect um, rainwater in barrels. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time, like, the water we collected wasn't uh, enough for everything in the house, cleaning, cooking, and stuff like that. So we would have to go down to the little creek and shower there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The little creek. <laughs> so does that mean like there was no shower in the house? No. Um. We do have like a little room separate outside of the house. Um. Very, really deplorable conditions. Uh. And you kind of have to like be quick, because um. Sometimes like, there are parts of the walls that are not even there, and it's kind of like you have to shower before anyone can pass by and see you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That kind of reminds me of the Philippines a little bit. Like I remember going there. There's two areas I stayed in. There was one area where um, where uh, it was. I was young, so I was allowed to do this. As an adult male, I'm not allowed to do, I would not be allowed to do this, but it was like just one big room with pipes with that would just spray water. They mm -hmm. might have had shower heads. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. And it wasn't a shower room. It was like just a wooden floor. And someone put some holes in the floor so the f water would go through to the dirt. And it'd be like maybe 20 women in there that live in the apartment. It's like a group shower. And I would go in there with my mom to shower. But I was a little kid. Yeah. So there was that. But in the Philippines, also the, where my grandmother lives, there was no shower. Like you just go in the ocean and just kind of, yeah. you know, bird bath it. Yeah, during the summertime, we have to travel to the river. And we have to wash our clothes by hands and then carry it back home. Those big tubs that we wear over our heads. And uh, <sighs> the the hill is really steep. So it's a hike. I've seen people faint coming down the, <laughs> the, the <laughs> wait, hike. Wait, like the hill you showed me the picture of? Like yes. That. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't mean to laugh, but no, I, I thought I grew up poor. <laughs> Until I spoke to you. <laughs> well, is uh, right now that is like one of the main tourist attraction um, in the country. 
um, you can see it all over the place. It's like, oh, let's visit Rio Partido. Mm-hmm. And um, but when I was growing up, it, we wouldn't even go there alone because we we're like, okay, if you go there alone, somebody murder you down there. Nobody's ever going to know who did it. <laughs> oh, really? It's it's off the grid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like open to the public, and um, they have uh, they created a, a zip line. Uh-huh. That goes straight down to the river, so a lot of people take that, um, and it becomes like one of the main tourist attraction right now. It's Wait, a zip line as uh, for tourists, or zip line like you guys use for no, to get the laundry around? No, no, it's for tourists. You can't climb in there and <laughs> just like. Oh, you got to pay for the <laughs> zip line. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, you mentioned something too before. Like we're, we <laughs> man. Normally, when I tell hood stories, I'm I have like the I'm. I'm always the well, not always, but usually the one with the worst stories. But you, like when you mentioned the shoes, that killed me. Like you didn't have shoes, right? Well, um, shoes were kind of expensive, and that was not like an everyday thing. Like you have your shoes, you wear it when you go out to church, to the doctor, or you know, like special occasions. Yes, we grew up bare feet, but. To go to school, you have to wear shoes. Not everybody had it. And me and my brother had one pair that we shared. Oh, you shared it. Oh, (laughs) okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, He would wear it either in the morning or wear it in the afternoon or vice versa. Uh, It depends on, like, what was the the season of the school, like how they kind of switched the class around. Oh, okay. And, and uh, I remember one night we were walking to my grandparents' house. And, um, you know, it's it's loose gravel. The street is loose gravels because, well, the road. We only have one main road, in and out. Um, and as I was walking over there and I was wearing his shoes, they were so tight on me that I was wondering if it was just better to take it off and take the, the pain of the gravel rather than how tight the shoes were on me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That's uh that's that's brutal. That's brutal. See, I yeah, no. I I mean, I've had shoes that were too small, but not to the point where I debated like walking on gravel. <laughs> but I know gravel could be rough because my sister has done it before. And the rocks, did you ever have this gets embedded in the skin of your foot and you have to have someone take the rock out? My brother had it. Um and it got to a point that the skin on his uh, feet were so thick that he could put out like a piece of uh, burning wood. <laughs> <laughs> Your brother's foot? <laughs> yes. And um, they they nicknamed him uh, Rodillo, which is like uh, a name for one of those um, um, big um, trucks that work on the street, like making it like, mm, yeah, like yeah. the caterpillars. Yes. Yeah. Because his foot? Yeah. Wait, because the skin was so thick? or Because his <laughs> skin was so thick, it could just basically mash anything. Wow. Wow. That's <laughs> Yeah, so your stories, those are pretty wild. Like, Because in the United States, well, I'm pretty sure here there's people like that in rural parts of the country. And probably in rural parts of every state. You know, and I know, well, probably rural parts of the warmer states. Because... You know, parts of the United States get super cold, as you know. Your your yes. your sister lives in New Hampshire, uh-huh. and so you're up there with you know staying with her sometimes, and you're getting you couldn't be barefoot out there. You'd probably die, right? Yeah, definitely, I could not. 
But if you're barefoot in California, like say, uh, you know, California, you 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 can survive. Or even Hawaii. Have yeah. you ever been to Hawaii? No, I haven't. Oh man, if you're gonna be homeless or be poor, that's the spot. Because there, there's food, there's coconuts, there's just Thank everything. Thank you for the advice. Yeah, no, no, oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there because it's the weather's accommodating. I'm pretty yeah. sure the, the the DR is the same way, right? Yeah, our weather is pretty good, even uh, during the cold season, which is like right now. Mm-hmm. It gets a little chilly, but you still can shower. Like it's not gonna kill you. A cold shower is not gonna kill you. Yeah, I think in Hawaii. It never gets cold. It's never cold. So everything's warm all the time. <laughs> it's cool. Like when you get there, when you go to Hawaii and you get off on the plane, like in Honolulu, the uh, airport's open. It's not like a building, you know, uh-huh. like, and you immediately feel like a blanket of, of uh, humid <laughs> uh, air. You're like, whoa. And it's like that. If I've been there in the wintertime, like Thanksgiving, Christmas. I've been there in the summer. It's this, it actually is hotter in the summer, but it just, you know, it gets like that. Dominican Republic is kind of like that. Like um, um, you get off the plane and while you walk from the plane outside of the custom border, mm-hmm. your hair is already like a like a puffy teddy bear. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Got like an afro going on. Yeah. What What about, um? I have to ask this and then we'll get into your story because I want you to share your, your story. I think it's an amazing story. <laughs> but you guys share your um. Do you guys? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to be disrespectful here. Is is the DR? Is that an island? You guys call it an island? It's an island. Okay. With two countries. With two countries. So what separates? You guys share the island with Haiti. Yes. What separates you guys? Is there a wall there? It's uh, it's just a river. It's that's the border. So people freely cross. Pretty much. Um, they do have like uh, um, law enforcement at the border where they cross. It's okay. just like supervised by military. So if someone crosses the border from Haiti to to, to the DR illegally and say they don't get caught by law enforcement, can they just get a job in, in DR or is it hard? Oh, yeah, they can get jobs. They, okay. We have a lot of Haitians right now, a lot. Okay. Um, they don't get, a lot of the time they don't get treated uh, fair, fair oh, I would say. Crap. Hold on. I forgot. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. Sorry. Go ahead. So um, a lot of the time they don't get treated um, fair. Uh-huh. But um, bottom line is uh, they do the work Dominicans don't do. Okay. Like construction. A lot of them do construction and uh, in um, agriculture. Uh-huh. And uh, they get paid little for that, but it's better than being in Haiti. Yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting because we have the same situation here. And, you know, we're on the border of Mexico and people from South America come up, you know, Central and South America come mm-hmm. up for work and things. And they do jobs that Americans are a little too bougie to do. Not a little, a lot too bougie to do. Yes. And the same thing happens in other countries around the world with the Philippines. Like if you if you go to Dubai or, or you know, the um, Middle East, mm-hmm. you'll have uh, Filipinos working there, construction or things like that. That's I interesting. That. Yeah. Yeah. They're all over the place. We, I'm sorry, we are all over the place. <laughs> but with with the with the Haitians, do they they speak French though, right? They uh, can speak French, but um, their main language is Creole. Creole, so it's kind of English sounding. Um, no, 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 it's its own language. It's its own language. Yeah, it's a lot stronger than French. They can have like uh, French words in it, but it's a lot stronger. Oh, okay. 
All right. So Creole. So Creole, what is Creole? So it makes your French and what? Just or is this own creation? It's, it's just own creation, yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um that's interesting. I always wondered how that worked with Haiti because Dominican and Republic are completely different looking countries. Yes, and uh, we have more common um there's more things in common with other countries, uh, other Caribbean countries, even Jamaica, if you will. Um, but with Haiti, it's totally different. Yeah. It's, um, they keep their culture very intact. Like, we absorb a lot from the, the Spanish. Yes. And But they haven't. Mm. They didn't because they didn't blend with anybody. Okay. We are a mixture. <laughs> yeah, you guys, like, I mean... I mean, not to sound low-key uh, racist or whatever it would be, but for me, it's even hard to tell the difference sometimes between a Puerto Rican and a Dominican. <laughs> like, it's very similar, right? Yes. Except uh, the Spanish is better in the, in the DR. No. <laughs> well, I don't say exactly that because um, even the Spanish inside the country vary from region to region. Oh. Yes. In my region, we use the I instead of L's and R's, like at the ends of words. I find it that it sounds so ugly. <laughs> mm -hmm. But if you go towards the capital, they use the L's and um, or they take the word the. They take the sound completely. Like um. Like what will be okay? Shower, shower, be a good example. If you are in my region, people will say, I'm going to shower. Shower. Yeah. Okay. But if you are in the capital, they will either say, I'm going to shower or I'm going to shower. Or or shower. Oh, they'll go either shower, way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Shower. So you guys add a little extra. Yeah. Um. So the shower, the putting the I on the end, is yeah. that considered um, uh, lower social status, Spanish? Um, if you, like, from the, the capital side... They look at us like, ah, those are the hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That's what I was wondering. But um, it's actually is um, um, Portuguese influence. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right, yeah. Shout. Yeah, because we, in our country, we have this, you know, similar. Yeah. yeah, people that speak proper. I don't know. How do people from California or like me, how do we sound? Um, sound normal to me. Normal. Like, yeah, like a good English. <laughs> yeah, So, but like New York is a little different, right? Um, I like New York City. Well, I live in New York City, and when I hear you speak, it does not sound very different to me. Oh, really? Than people yeah. in New York? Yeah. But if you compare it to people from, like, Boston, then it does sound different. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Boston's kind of thick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so we have the same thing. And if you ever go to the South, like Southern states... Um, I think you'll start noticing a difference yeah, too. Like I've been other. in Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. Okay, yeah. yeah. We don't sound like people from Tennessee, no, right? No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Is it hard to understand them? Um, I, I'm not sure because my my time around that wasn't too long, mm. and uh, the people that I work with, they were kind of they took their time when they talk, so it was easy and clear to understand. But they do sound very different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. All right, so I, we got to get into this because uh, that's why this is why I brought you on. But I would like for you to share your story, if you don't mind, like your your um, your testimony, if you will, about what brought you to God. Oh. And I know that um, 
you're, it's very, it's a very uh, wide and interesting story. And there's a lot of pieces coming in, but that would take like a, a, a six hour podcast. But if you can just get, if you don't mind, you know, uh, I would like to discuss like the, the major um, events that brought you to God. Because one thing I do notice about you is that you're a very spiritual person. Um, you believe in prayer and um, you're all about God. And so I'm like, wow, usually someone that is in, in that position has experienced things and seen things. I have. <laughs> yes. And the, and the thing I got to point this out is that what really intrigued me, like there's a, there's people here that are like that, United States, right? Mm-hmm. Or wherever people I know that are very spiritual and they pray and have friends that are pastors. But the interesting part that got me is I remember I was telling you about a breakup that I went through. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you about how I was going through um, visualization part of EMDR therapy. Yeah. And and I was just talking. And I've told this story to other people. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what it was. It's like there was things appearing in my memory that were not there in real life. Mm-hmm. And I remember like I was expl- when I was explaining to you, I was like, yeah, there's this green serpent that would appear and this and that. And without hesitation, you knew exactly what it was. And you sent me pictures from the, uh, you text them to me yeah. while we're on the phone. Mm-hmm. And it was dead on what I had seen. And I don't want to ruin it anymore <laughs> by telling, explain, but I've never in my life known someone who knew that level of spirituality where they could identify a, a lack of, I don't know what they're called, but I'd say an entity was able to identify an entity that appeared in my memory. And the me- the crazy part is the memory is real, but the entity wasn't there in real life. But as I reviewed it through therapy, when I'm hooked up to an EMDR machine and it's going into my subconscious, mm-hmm. that thing would appear and the serpent would um, come out of the person that was trying to manipulate me, who had manipulated me, but tried to continue manipulating me. And you just like, it's this. And you gave me this whole history on what it is. And I was like, most people would freak out. Actually, I've told people what you've told me about it, and they get scared. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I'm telling them third person. You know, I'm telling them. Yeah. It's not even happening to them, and they're freaked out, and they don't want to talk about it. So, But if you don't mind, can we get into your story about how – oh, did you have something to say about that story? Um, No, I, I think um, the one thing I was going to say is um, – it's not that I have practice, but it was practice in my family. Yes. And, and I seen a lot of that from the background. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I'm not an expert, but I can by what I know, what I by what I seen, I can be like assert of uh, when I point something out. Yes. So how did it all start? How'd your journey to um discovering God or connecting with God start? Um, that's a long story. Um, I'm going to start with my childhood. Yeah. Um, my childhood have like um, many different parts to it. Uh, one of them is I was um, growing with my grandparents. When they passed away, My I went to live with my mom and dad. And that wasn't necessarily the best family structure. Um, but um, my father family have practiced witchcraft mm. for for a very long time. Um, his his grandmother, uh, she died when I was still young, young infant. Um, she was known to be a powerful um, medium. 
the whole family tells stories about how she would allege converse with um, dead people. Mm. That's that's that was her level. And um, on top of that, she also did like um, um, she mixed herbs to cure um, people from illnesses and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of time, a lot of that was like um, she placed rituals and stuff on people. And a lot of time, people don't know what they're getting into when they visit those places. Um, my my dad um, practiced it as well, not so heavily. And my grandmother was uh, very Catholic. We grew up Catholic. But the Catholic over there is very much like uh, you pray the, the rosary. And everybody has a saint where that they pledge this um, um, this faith to. Like, yeah. This is my saint. I pray to this saint. And what I have discovered is that a lot of those saints are covering an entity. Mm. Um. So uh, my father, I seen him practice certain things, and um, we were not fully aware of the things that he was doing. But for example, I I started having dreams, nightmares when I was eleven, and the fa- the very first nightmare I I went through, I remember it very clear because that dream repeated itself many times. It was like um like a black panther was watching me, and I have to cross by where that panther was. But the um the paws were not paws; they were arms, like the arms of a man. And when I tried to squeeze by, I felt the grip on me. And that was the very first time I had that dream. Um, but my father, um, what they do is they take a young child and they offer it to an entity in exchange for certain certain things like wealth, richness, stability. Um, and the entity, my dad, um, put me under the contract I don't know if I'm wearing that correctly. It's like um, it's like a deal. Yeah, it's like a covenant. Yes, sometimes they it's use a it covenant. Religion. Yes, covenant. Yes. So it's um, the the saint that covered for it is Saint Anne. And so the ritual is like um, white candles and flowers. Those those are the rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, but apart from that, he also went into other heavy stuff. Like uh, one time I was ill and he cut um, a piece of hair from my head and um, he carved the sign on my hand and one tree and he put my hair in there. What are the odds the tree went dry? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and apart from that, he also took like measurements of us Mm -hmm. to put it in my um, grandmother's tomb. Okay. So those are bury, uh, burials. When they have your name, they, they do other stuff. And uh, when they do tho- those kind of uh, covenant, and no matter what you do in life, you just can't succeed. You can have a very good job, and you're about to get the position you crave, but then something just happened and you don't get it. And another person that's not even qualified gets it. And I didn't know all of that. Um, all of that were, um, as I went on, um, as I became a Christian and I got closer to God, 
then I started discovering all of these things. Like I went into prayers and God would show me visions and I would have dreams. And I also encountered a friend that she used to work with me and she was like, um, or not she was, she is. She's like very spiritual gifted. She can see people and be like, ah, watch out for that person. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and she'd be like, um, she don't have to look at a person for too long to know like, this person is bound to this entity. Yes. And so she taught me a lot. Does she have the same background as you? Like she's seen it, I witnessed. Yes. Um, she's seen a lot of the stuff as well. But um, she's she's older than me. And uh, she's been um, a Christian for a longer time than I than I have. So she had more experience. And um, she, she served as a guide for me once we met. But um, to go back to my childhood and, and my father, um, how I how I got to know God was that he threw me into an arranged marriage when I was 16. And I have two children with that man. When you said arranged marriage, is like was it a trade for something or there were there was money transaction, and um, but um, I forgave my dad. Mm-hmm. I have, and I understand that. He didn't know any better. He grew up around all these things, and he grew up surviving. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that came to his mind when um, when that happened was like, oh, this opportunity, I cannot, um, I cannot pass it. This is the opportunity I'm looking for. Like, if I marry her to this man, she won't need food or anything because he, he's, he was eight years older than I was. And he already had a house, he had cattle, land, and he also worked. So for my dad, that was like, and uh, he also have a, a name that is like, everybody knows their name because they come from a wealthy family. Got it. Yeah. And, and uh, on top of that, like my, my dad was very good friends with the family. So he thought, oh, this is the jackpot. Like... <laughs> It can't get any better than this. Yeah. So um, me and my dad, like, um, that was the beginning of a relationship fallout. Um, besides all the things that my dad did because he was a drunken. Um, and and with him, it's like he would work. That's that's why we went through so much, like, needs. It's because he would work, but then he would drink it. But things didn't start to get, like, really bad until my dad started going into doing rituals. And practicing. And he even brought home like one of those uh, big drums. And yeah. he would play voodoo music in the house. Ooh. And uh, in that time, like everything just, everything just vanished. Everything we had. We weren't growing anything on the land. We, in the raining season came. And that's also like whatever food is growing is going to get damaged by the rain. And there's like very few work to do. Um, and so everything we had is just like it just went from our hands. Then my dad added the drinking onto it. it. It was just an unbearable nightmare. My dad would come home drunk and we would have to chase him in the middle of the night. You you woke up like at midnight and then you're warm from your bed mm-hmm. and it's, it's raining outside. It's mud, it's muddy. There's bottles of water 
And then my dad is just running rampant. And we're just running after him, trying to catch him, trying to bring him home, trying to reason with him. Um, but um, after that, my dad stopped for a while, and then then he would do it again. Every certain time, he would fall back into his habit. And we would be steady. He was a good dad when he wasn't when he wasn't doing rituals and drinking. Um, and then when 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 my my kid's father showed up, he was like, "I can't pass on this um, opportunity." He threatened me to take me out of the school. He threatened me to kill the person I like, which was another high school kid. He threatened me with that, and I gave in. I accepted the, um, my kid's father to come visit me. Um, but go figure. He knew exactly my story, and so he used it to manipulate me too. So I don't have the support for my dad or my mother because my mother backed backed my father decisions all the time. Whatever my, my dad decided, that was it. That was unquestionable. So my mom was in war with that. And my kid's father, knowing that I didn't like him, he threatened me all the time. Oh, I'm just going to tell your father you don't like me because you like another person. And come to a point where they cage me and the two of them. And my father's like, oh, and this is the time you have to go. I remember I'm 16. You have to go. You have to move out. And so I did move out because then after that, like, that's the conversation I have today with my father. And my kid's father showed up the next day and he's like, you have to move out with me. Either you do this or I don't come back anymore and I'm going to speak to your father. And I'm like, okay, so this is heavy on me. I'm the only one with the decision. Plus, my dad is already drinking again and it's unbearable. So I have no other choice but just... To get with my kid's father, remember, I did not sign no paperwork because I'm still underage. However, my dad did spoke to the judge of the village to make sure that he knew that I was under somebody else's responsibility now. So it's kind of like a verbal agreement. Yeah. So um, once I was with him, he was abusive. And, and things were just not right because I, I was just not. I was just not let him. Mm -hmm. So um, because things got to be so bad, I started visiting an evangelical church. Um, my kid's father, uh, his mother used to go there. She used to visit that church. Um, but their family themselves, they practice witchcraft. <laughs> they're, so, they're, so you're just kind of surrounded by it. Yes, yes. It, it was very normal. It's very normal. It's like um, you know it. It's there. You you don't like it. You don't mess with it. You respect it, but it's there. You just allow whoever is n around you to do to go on about their their thing as normal. Um, and so I started going to the um, evangelical church. Wait, hold on. Before you go to to the evangelical church, your dad is is drinking part of the ceremonies for. A, a drinking can be part of the ceremony and also smoking. Cigarettes or? Um, cigars. Cigars. Cigars are part of the ceremony. Um, some ceremony include um, um, blood. Mm -hmm. Like they have to kill uh, an animal. Um, there are very many rituals. I haven't seen them um, all 
But like um, some people create what they call an altar, which is um, it's made with flowers, candles, and if you want somebody like like let's say um, I build an altar. And I manage that altar, so I become the the warlock or the witch or the priest, whatever name they go by. Um, so you, depending on the experience of the person managing and the level of the person managing that altar, that's how much effect uh, effective is going to be. Whatever you want to get done. Okay. Um, in order for you to get something, you have to trade something trade yeah okay. it's like a like a ritual like a Barter. child yeah like like the covenant yeah when i was a kid my dad wanted certain things so he trade me he put me under this entity so that he can get whatever he's asking for when okay when he tra- okay hold on we hold up we got to unpack this one here so when your dad um, did that, when he uh, traded you, mm-hmm. do you remember what he did to trade you? Like what he would, like the ceremony or the ritual? Um, no, I just, um, because a lot of those th- those things don't get uh, done in our, our site. Oh, got it. So they go elsewhere. Um, but um, here and there you hear things things slip. Got it. And you are aware of what they have done. Yes. And like, um, for example, like cutting the back of my hair, putting it on the tree. That's that's some kind of exchange. Okay, so your hair, he carved a hand. He into carved the tree. my hand into the tree. And then put the hair in the outline, like in the outline, yes. And let it grow around the in, tree. Yes. And the tree died. And the tree died. <laughs> Is that what's supposed to happen? I, I'm not sure that the tree. I, my health is supposed to get better as the tree grows. <laughs> okay, well that didn't work out. That didn't exactly. work out. Okay, all right. And um, and so with that, uh, with an entities, they ask for alcohol, cigarettes. They ask for dance. They ask for you to wear a specific color. Well, you said they ask for dance. Yeah. For you to dance for them. Yeah. Okay, got it. And um, you have to uh, wear a specific color. You have to do uh, specific things mm-hmm. that they ask you. Like, oh, it has to be three o'clock and you have to drink a glass of water facing the sun and then, or do this, whatever is left. I'm, I'm just like making this up. For yeah, example. but you're just giving examples. Yeah, yeah, for example, like, oh, in the left over of the water, you pour over your head or you just like throw it back and you don't see it. Yeah. Um, there's one ritual which is called, I think, moon bath, where you go and swim, and you just get out of the water, and th- then the moon has to be shining. You get out of the water, but you can't look at your shadow behind you. Okay. That that's one ritual too. That's a little creepy, but yes. Yeah. So um, so I am, I'm only aware of what my dad has done, mm-hmm. like um, not because he fully did everything, um, in front of us. But because I've seen things. Yes. Ap- apart from, like, you know, being in the family and hearing from so many others. Yes. Um, so when, um, going back to the part where I was with my kid's father and he was abusive, and um, we have a cousin in common. 
is my cousin on my mother's side. Mm-hmm. It's my children's father cousin mm-hmm. on his father's side. Okay. All right. So because things were very bad, my, my kid's grandmother, she called him so he could come and give us guidance, counseling, if you call it. But I was already going to the um, evangelical church, and it seemed like the way they preach, they're very heavy. It seems like the powerful is Satan. Everything is Satan. Oh, they they preach about Satan all the time? All the time. I can see why. I mean, if that's <laughs> kicking off in the neighborhood so much, they're probably like, hey, guys. This is Satan. This yeah. is the first thing we got to deal with. But it yeah. probably wasn't God is love. No, it was not God is love. It's you're going to burn in hell. You have to stop doing this because you're going to go to hell. And hell's forever. And you're just going to burn. And this is what's going to happen to you. They will tell story and they will terrorize you. Okay. So um, the way they will bring this to me, I felt like I couldn't do anything right. I was condemned. Mm-hmm. I, I was done. So when my cousin came in to kind of appease the problem that we were going through, um, my kid's father and I, like he, he came and he's like, I know you'll be going to church. And I know you're searching for the truth. Um, but um, here's the Bible. Here's the Bible. I want you to have the Bible. The Bible would instruct you. And I started reading my Bible every night. And I would read for so long um, with a little gas lamp. That's what we used. I would read for hours. And I would drink during the day. You mean drink? Drink. Like, I didn't drink to get drunk. I just drank during the day so I wouldn't think of anything. Oof. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I feel you. Uh-huh. And my kid's father, like, apart for, from the person he was, he also wanted to maintain the relationship. But he was abusive. And it got to a point, like, I was never in love with him in the first place. And he didn't earn my love. I tried. I tried, but, uh, like, with his abuse, what he did was he just pushed me away completely. And at this point, I want nothing to do with him. So during the day, I'm, like... My mind is far gone. Like, I can't take life anymore. Um, it's, it's hard for me. So in order for me not to think of anything bad and keep my thoughts together, I drink. How old were you at this point? Um, my son was born when I was uh, 18, and he was he was an infant. Oh, he was about man, six months old. So, kid. Yeah. Like, wow, man. I'm probably, like... Like eighteen, seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so, so I would do that during the day, so that I get tipsy, take care of my kid. I was happy with him. Um, and then um, at nighttime, I would read my Bible, and I would read my Bible, um, and just spend hours doing that. But I still was not satisfied. It got to the point where I was so, like, bad in, in the relationship and everything that was in there that I started having suicidal thoughts. And uh, I couldn't stay alone in the house for long because even if I saw a piece of rope, I would hear a voice telling me, oh, this rope would do it. It won't break. But 
when I used to visit the Catholic Church, I heard the story uh, how Judah hang himself. And the very first time that that idea crossed my mind was before I married my kid's father because I didn't like him. And um, and I knew that if I did that, I would never see the face of God. And I think I have been a strong believer ever since I was a kid. And I think God have walked with me all throughout my life. I, I don't see it any other way. And so um, I know I feel like I'm all over the place here telling the story. No, it's okay. It's um, all good. So when my my cousin came and he gave us the Bible, things calmed down for a little bit, for me at least. But then I got pregnant again. And my kid's father didn't want to let me go. I have spoken to my father, like, pick me up. People have told my father, she's in danger. You got to get her out of there. He was physically abusive, right? Yes. Okay. Well, I will stand up to him. Like, it was a fight. <laughs> yeah. It was a fight. Um, And then... I, I started uh, reading the Bible, and when I got to the sacrifice part, that was another struggle. Because I kept saying or thinking, if I just cut my neck, this is a sacrifice to God. I'm not going to go to hell. I'm, I'm not going to burn in hell. But I'm, I have cut myself with knives before. <laughs> so, Very painful. Yeah, so that was not go my go-to solution. <laughs> And so um, um, a little while after that, I came to the U.S. My boys, like after, you know, I gave birth and all of that, I came to the U.S. and my boys were back in the Dominican Republic and they were with my cousin mm -hmm. and she was a Christian and she instructed them very well. So when I got them into the U.S., um, we keep the health message and the Sabbath. Um, it was my, it was my son. He was uh, seven years old. Wow. And um, I, I'm trying to make the transition for him as easy as possible. And um, remember, by this time, I have read my Bible. I know, like in my mind, the Catholic Church is not the place for me to go. Yeah. So, when he comes, when they come over. Um, I make him dinner and I prepare him plantain, salami, so that he wouldn't start missing the things he got. He's used to having yeah. a home, like I'm trying to make an easy transition. Mm -hmm. And um, he just looked at me. He goes, he pointed with his finger. What is this? And I said, "Puppy, that's salami. And he goes, I don't eat that. I'm a Christian child. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll make you eggs. I'm not going to fight you with that. Then another time he was like, um, what day is today? And I said, it's Saturday. And he goes, so why are you cleaning the house? It's the day of the Lord. You're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Okay, fine. I'll clean some other time. <laughs> oh, yeah, because the fourth commandment, Sabbath. Yeah. Yes. yes, yes. And so um, after that, he's like, when are you taking me to church? When am I going to get baptized? And I was like, all right, we're going to do this soon. Um, we started going to church. <laughs> he took control. He took control. He he was the man. Um, we started going to church, and then we traveled to the Dominican Republic because, you know, he grew up with my cousin for like five years when I was absent. 
and he knew everything from the Bible because she instructed him. Mm -hmm. So we went to Dominican Republic, and he was the very first one to get baptized. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was the very first one. And then two years after that, it was me and my older son. We got baptized too. And um, that was about 10 years ago. And from there on, I started walking with God. But what happened is when you're under a covenant with an entity, it's like, let's say, for example, you move to a new apartment, but you still have an open lease with the old apartment. They're going to want their money. They're going to want their money. Exactly. So going back to anything you do, you do not succeed because that's an open door. You still have covenants open on you. And I went into like work that I know I was overqualified for the position. And I applied for certain position and then somebody else would come and take him. And my friend was like, Moi, which is a short word for love, amor. She goes, do you know where you stand? And I'm like, um, no. He's like, well, you live in a right, you live in right with God. You're not fornicating. You're not drinking. You're not partying. You don't steal. You work properly. You d- and you go to church. You keep the commandments. You honor God. Why is, is, why is, that another person less qualified than you is entitled to take what belongs to you. And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, you have open covenants. And I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. She's like, would you like to start praying together? And I was like, yeah, sure. So we start praying. And we went into intense prayers. And I would start having visions and seeing things and recognizing spirits. Um, and one time I'm praying in my bedroom and while I'm praying in my bedroom, I closed my eyes and I felt a presence so close to me that I thought it was going to hold my mouth shut. And when I finally, like when I felt that the presence was out of the room, I was standing and facing the wall because I moved during the prayer and I was not aware I was doing that. And it was intense. It was very intense. And that's when I realized, I was like, okay, this is not a game. Um, Prior to that, I went through other experiences as well. And I was still kind of like, um, I won't say naive, but it was normal because I seen it. Yes. And I, um, yes, I, I, how can I say this? That's one thing that I think that um, Christians or believers, let's, let's mm-hmm. say Christians, mm-hmm. but let's add other faiths to it, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Some people, like, if you add Christian, um, Christianity plus New Age religion and mm-hmm. everything else, a lot of people here in the United States, they have never seen real spiritual warfare. No. So to them, it's a concept. It's a theory. They, yeah. don't, they don't know that, no, this is 100% absolutely real yeah and uh, it's funny i'm sorry i got you off but it's funny when you try to talk to somebody about it they think you're mental yes yes so you don't talk to people about it because here no not here they'll judge you yes yes yeah and i try to explain that to people because um 
I'll get to your story in a second. Yeah. And I apologize for interrupting you. It's fine. But like my family, there's generational curses for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I even talked to my aunt who's been a, who turned her life around. Um, she used to be a drug addict and whatever else and turned her life around. Now she's a minister. Mm-hmm. And um, I think she's in her 70s. Wow. She's in her 70s. And she's been a minister for a while now. And we were actually at a funeral, my aunt's funeral about a month ago. And we were talking about generational curses. And mm-hmm. my EMDR therapist is also a Christian. And we talked about it. And we kind of were doing this this generational curse thing. We didn't get a chance to finish it. It's a long story. Um, I'm hoping to find a way to get it finished with her. Mm-hmm. But um, I had to pray to break those. Yeah. And I would speak to my mother. And my mother would tell me about entities mm-hmm. that have always followed us since I was a kid. Yes. Like even when we would move, we've literally had it so bad that... Um, like my mom, I'd be a baby mm-hmm. and my mom would not go in the house unless my dad was home. So she'd sit out front because it'd be in the house doing stuff Yeah. or it would like, you know, we'd park the car in the garage. It would turn the lights on of the car and you would, and here's the crazy part. My dad's a war veteran, you know, the, uh, do you use the word machismo? Si. Machismo. Yeah. Machismo. Right. Yeah. And they open the garage. There's a woman sitting in the backseat of the car. And my dad, like, <laughs> he lost it. <laughs> and so I don't, we don't tell a lot of people about it, but we actually had to move before because of an entity in the house or entities. Yes. And then yes. it followed us to the new house. We had that too. Yeah. We have moved from places. Um, my sister got to see it. Yes. My sister got to see it. Um, we used to live at this house uh, that were my grandparents' house. And that's where I moved out with um, my kids' farm. Mm-hmm. father from um and i'm sorry i know no you're no no no, no it's okay um so when we were living there um there was a night like they would hear things outside they mm-hmm. always say that the place was like haunted they have many stories there i never felt anything like that um but when i was between like uh, 15 and 16 prior to getting with my kid's father I would have visions and dreams that did not come from God. For example, when a person in my family was going to die, I'll see them. I'll see them prior to their death. Yeah. And I will see things that would happen the next day. Like there was one morning, and I'm just going to use this for example. Like the, the way you do it is like you're not fully awake, but you're not sleeping. Your conscience is awake. You can control, like, you know, those stages where you can control your dream. Mm -hmm. But there comes a part where you can't control it, but you know what's happening. So there was a night I'm sleeping and I'm having one of those type of scenarios. And I just see this man. I just see him. Never seen in my entire life. And I get up in the morning. I started going uh, on my um, daily shores chores and and get who's coming to get my father the man i saw in the dream well not a dream but like you know the man i was seeing yes and i get like goosebumps like oh my lord (laughs) this is what i was seeing so i i went into like a lot of those visions and stuff and i started to get scared i pray and i kind of calm down for a while I move out of the house, 
And my sister, one night they're hearing stuff, and she turns around and she sees this big black fluff in the middle of the living room. Why are you smiling? <laughs> because it's just like, <laughs> um, it's just like um, I don't know. I just at this point is, it's not that it's funny, but it's just like the encounters with such things are so common. Yeah. <laughs> and she sees this big black fluff in the middle of the room, mm-hmm. the middle of the living room, and and she turns again and it's gone, and. My father and my mother, they heard something that night. That even my father, that messes around with the dark side, got scared. And they're like, we're moving out of this house. <laughs> we're moving. And they moved. Yeah. Um, so when I when my son got baptized, and I'm sorry, like I'm so all over the place going back and forth. I just wanted to um touch bases on this experience that I have. Mm-hmm. Um when my son got baptized, we moved out of New York. And my friend, like, I met her at church. She used to come to church with her other friend. And her other friend was my friend. It's just like a friend-friend kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, my other friend knew her and knew exactly her problem. Because her experiences with it was a lot stronger than mine. Like, she was in the house that actually practiced it, like, her mother, her her mother, her stepmother was the witch in the house. Is this in the DR, United States? This is in the United States. Are they Dominican, though? They are Dominican. Okay. So we met going to the church, and sh- we just click. We just click. How this happened, I don't know. Well, I know now. I have one of the spirit. Like, I was sold to an entity that she was sold herself. That she, that my friend was sold to. Wait, she sold herself or someone well, else? Did? Some, her, someone yeah. in her family sold her to the same entity. Uh-huh. So you see, the connection that we had was spiritual. So when you say entity, like so, it's very similar to say like a um, a uh, say like a Catholic saint. Yes. So it's a very popular entity. It's not like it's Larry, you know, Larry. Uh, Chavez, and he's only regional. No, it's worldwide. Like, yes. Okay, got it. But she was under a lot more covenant than I was. Mm. She had at least seven. She had what? At least seven covenants Oof. that she was old to. Um, so we started going to church. We met in church, and we just click. She's like, oh, so you want to you wanna move outside of New York? I'll help you. I'll help you. We took the car. We went to... Um, Massachusetts. When we were there, we were looking for an apartment. We've been looking for two days straight. We can't find anything. We drive by the cemetery, and she looked at me, and she said, you know what? Something is telling me to go back this way. We just went through that route. And when we were coming down, she said, oh, there it is. Look, for rent. She, she called... No, I'm sorry. Prior to that, we went to see um, a tarot tarot reader because she wanted to. She wanted to bring me there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't really want it to because I already have read it in the Bible. Yeah. And um, I I still don't know how bad it is because remember, like, I'm so 
I grew up in the environment. Of both. Of both. Yeah. So I don't know how bad this is. I don't want to go, but she wants to go. So she insists. We go to the place, and the lady says to me, oh, yes, you will move out, but it's not going to be an easy move. And I started crying because I was like, I don't know how much of this I can take. I got to move out of New York. And uh, and then she sits in front of the tarot reader. She has a smile on her face. And the tarot reader is telling her, oh, there's something strong here. And it doesn't let me see anything. So it means like whatever entity was in control of my friend was a lot stronger than the entity that the tarot uh, card reader serves. Mm. So... The thing end up there. She couldn't tell my friend anything. My friend was like with that that mischievous smile. And she comes out and she said, We're driving we're driving by the cemetery. And she said, She doesn't know anything. We're gonna get that apartment today. And so we drive back the same route we did before from like coming from the tarot reader. Yeah. And she said, Oh, there's a rent sign there right there we called the person for he came like 15 minutes to come to get where we were yeah um we were supposed to pay you know the the fee like the first month and uh, we needed to complete like certain um paperwork in order to um qualify for the rental and while she is talking to him or he is talking to her, she just stared at him in his face. And he's like, oh, you know what? I'm only going to charge you um, two weeks for this month. And then he's like, oh, you know what? You still have to move from New York, so I'm not going to charge you for those two weeks. I'm just going to let you put the deposit in the first, uh, the security deposit in the first month, and that'll be all. And come get the key. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah, I've seen that happen before where um, uh, my ex, um, my most recent ex, she had that where people would give her what she'd want. Yeah. And it's weird because um, it was just weird. It's in, I know it's a spiritual thing. Yeah. And the interesting part is that what you're saying is, an, is not unusual because she went to um, church. Mm -hmm. So she, yeah. but. Also, um, for a while, or I mean, believed in God. Let's just say believed in God. Going to church means nothing. No, Believing in God. Exactly. She believed in God, but also would see psychics and, and tarot readers. Yeah. And I remember I would tell her, like, look. You can't mix it, too. No, I told don't even mix it. Don't do the tarot thing. I said, you're opening yourself up. Yeah. I know people that have dealt with demon-possessed, mm -hmm. and that's one of the ways you let them in. You're opening that front door. Yes. I, the, the analogy I use is vampires. You're, are you familiar with vampire folklore? How mm -hmm. fa how vampires work? They ha you have to invite them in. You have to invite them in. It's the same thing. Same thing. But yeah. I, I don't know. If I don't think vampires are real. That's a made up story. But yeah. on a spiritual sense, it is. you invite them in. Yeah. And so I said, you're letting them in. Mm -hmm. and I And here's the crazy part of it is that she finally broke mentally. Because yeah. of some stuff she was going through. It, I'm and sorry to interrupt you there, but that normally happens. It's just, um when you deal with entities, 
their point is to drive you to that to that stage. Okay, well, it did it twice to her. Yeah. It broke her to that point, and then I was like, "Look, the way is to God." And you have to remember, at this point, um, I was just renewing my faith back to God. Like <laughs> I, I had, I had beyond backslid away from the faith. Like I was, I was way out there, and so. I was already with this men's Bible study group, and I remember praying with her. I mean, she was so broken. I mean, I'm talking, couldn't go outside. Like, would just shake and um, just scared of everything and and wanted to be put in the hospital, mental hospital. Like, there's nothing wrong with me and just tripping out. And I'd have to, like, babysit. Like, hey, let's go on a walk outside just for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. She's having anxiety. She can't deal with the noises, just even noise, like a car driving by. Mm-hmm. Everything is just... It was, it was, it's probably one of the worst mental states besides my son, the worst mental states I've seen someone. And, um, and she gave her life to God, hit her knees and, um, accepted, accepted, uh, Jesus as her Lord and savior and began to grow and began the Bible study three to maybe five days a week, then church on the weekends, right? Prayer all the time. All of a sudden we're watching Bible movies, complete change in behavior for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, day and night snap. Yeah. And went right back. Because she still have open doors. She still have uh, pending covenants that she didn't close. Yeah, and I didn't know about these things. And I'm talking about a completely different person appeared. A very um, almost evil, like very bad person. Then unrecognizable, unrecognizable. Evil is in control. There's nothing else taking control of her mind but evil. Yeah. And so tying it in is when I told you about this person and they were saying things. I mean, they'd already manipulated me to the freaking yeah. gills. But when they were speaking and that serpent was coming out and you're like, it's this. And I don't even want to I don't even want to give this person credit. So let's not even re- say this this <laughs> entity's name. And I'm, I apologize in advance for freaking out listeners. But you nailed it on the head, even down to her behavior. She does this, this, like you named it so well. It's like you knew her. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And you're like, did it look, I mean, it was down to the color of the serpent, the color of the serpent's tongue, the size of the serpent. It, it, it floored me. I immediately text people, look at this. And they're like, one of my friends responded, get over her, man. Don't think about her. I go, no, it's not that. It's not that I'm like digging up that. It's that someone understood what I saw, like you knew exactly what I saw. Another friend of mine who I talked to a lot, um, I won't say her, I won't say her <laughs> name, but uh, she was like, after I spoke to her, I could tell she felt uneasy. And, and I spoke to her the next day. I said, hey, I'm sorry for talking to you about that because it freaked her out. Mm-hmm. But um, I know that that stuff is absolutely real. And I, I pray for her still because... Um, she definitely has an attachment. Yeah. Like there's an attachment issue there. And it's crazy because the psychic had told her, um, like here's, let me give another background to it too. She used to be married, right? Mm-hmm. When she was married, she called a psychic. And then she came to me one day, she would secretly do it. She was, hey, Kenny, I called the psychic. She would go, her, her ex-husband was very uh, controlling. Mm-hmm. And so, but she was, you know, to, for you to stay in that environment, there's something wrong with you too. You need some help yourself. Yeah, yeah, so she got like a prepaid card <laughs> with cash, like from Target. Mm-hmm. They called a psychic. So the, the call couldn't be traced, you mm-hmm. know, like paying for it. Yeah. And uh, 
She's like, oh, the psychic told me that um, my marriage is going to end and I'm, I need to leave or I'm going to leave. Sorry. The marriage is going to end. And then she goes, I don't want it to end. And you got to think in mind up to the months, years leading up to that, she was complaining to me how he abuses her. She's like, I don't want it to, to end. I don't want. And the psychic told me that some man's going to come and sweep me off my feet and make it in. And that happened. But I said, listen, just because a psychic says something, it doesn't mean it's true. And I try to explain to her. They're talking to demons. But yeah. the problem is that she wasn't at that level or mm -hmm. understanding yet. She just thought the psychic had a divine power to look into the universe. I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> and some psychics are just straight up fake. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. sorry, I could tell by the look on your face, you got something to say. It, Go for it. Yeah, definitely. So um, what happened there is is this. Um, when you when you go to a psychic, yes, you open a door, you invite them in. Yeah. Um, you can probably like you remember when the Bible says when an entity leaves, when um, I don't exactly remember. I understand when it ends, when God it clears out your house when you cleanse your home. And the the spirit wanders and come back with seven stronger. Yeah. Okay. So that is very real. For every entity that you clean yourself out, there's another seven that is, are coming in. If you allow it. If you, if you play it. with fire. Exactly. But one door that you open, remember, God knocks on the door. And he comes in if you let him. Mm -hmm. Devil's not like that. He's just sick for an opening. Yeah. The minute you... you you tempt with something, that's it. He's in. Yes, yes. So um, going to that, my the experience with my friend, I came from New York. I rented the apartment. And then a month later, she leaves with me. Mm -hmm. um, when she's leaving in my house, um, she starts saying, hey, I, I want to buy uh, a candle of this color. And I just feel like some energy here. So it's very scary when people saying, "Oh, the energy." They don't know what they're talking about. That's that's spiritism. Yeah. So she's like, "Oh, their energy here. Mm -hmm. We we need to clean it out." It starts with one candle. Yeah. Um, remember the one with the many entity is her, but we do have an entity in common, and that's what makes us to get alone so well. Yeah, it's like. It's like gangs. When I was involved with gang stuff, all of us have our different problems. Yeah. But that I believe that there's a spiritual piece to gangs. Yes. That entity or that spirit that mm -hmm. draws you to gangs. Yeah. That's our commonality. Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, and that was the entity we had in common. And um, she moved in with me and then she lied the candle she asked for. It's a, like a black candle. Mm. And when we light the candle up, all the clothes, the doors and everything is closed in the house, but we see the fire, the flame going one side, like really in flame. Mm -hmm. And her little girl's like, Mom, the, the candle's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, and then she gets in the bathroom. She's about to take a shower and the two mirrors we had in the bathroom, in the bathroom, they collapse. It's like, oh, everything is fine. Uh, the bad luck is broken. We're good. We're good. Things are going to be good. And then she started telling me, I want to go back to the tarot reader uh, person. I want to go back there. And I'm like, I don't think we should. She's like, 
is something telling me that I need to go back there. This is before Halloween. Um, and I said, okay. It's like it calls them back. Yes. Yeah. It calls you for more because then now you have more need for search. It just gives you like a little bit to hook you up. And then you get more curious because you want to know more. You just want to know more. Can I say one other thing too? Yeah. I spoke to her, my ex, about this. I said, listen, because she accepted Jesus. She was, she was, we were arranging her baptism. Mm-hmm. Like she went to the whole thing and right before the baptism time was coming, this is when it happened. She flipped. Yeah. No more Bible, no more God, no more, no nothing. more nothing. Yeah. It was like fast, real fast. I'm talking a day or two. It was real quick, but just real quick. Um, sorry to interrupt, no, but fine. Uh, you made me, oh, your look made me forget. Wait, hold on. Um, uh, she was warned. I warned her and other people warned her, listen, this is real. Mm-hmm. It's going to try to suck you back what you left. And she's like, I don't want to go back. I remember she'd be in the shower. I could hear her crying and praying in the shower for Jesus. Just keep me. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy to look back like, and she still got pulled like that. Yeah. Because again, you have to uh, break loose all of these things. Like you have to close those covenants. Yeah. And uh, once you start breaking loose from that, there is a, there is a period of fight. Yeah. There's a fight that goes on. What whatever it is, they're gonna fight to stay spiritual warfare. Yeah, it's spiritual warfare. They're gonna fight to stay in control. They're gonna fight to stay in the territory to keep you. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not looking for God sincerely, they're not gonna fight. You're not gonna feel anything. There's know. no change. There's nothing in there. They don't have to worry. But once you go in for God and you go for real, there's gonna be a fight it's like um uh there's an evangelist the evangelist actually taught me the bible and really sunk everything in mm-hmm. i remember he was explaining he said uh he's talking about spiritual warfare mm-hmm. and he says uh dark spirits they're like hunting dogs yeah. he says uh this is what a hunting dog does like if when the, when the hunter say if the hunter shoots two ducks the one that just drops dead the dog doesn't go after that one no it's not going to put up a fight Definitely not. The one that was maimed that's trying to get back up and fly again, Yeah, that's the one he wants. Yeah. And he'll go after that. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're spiritually dead, going to church, going to the motion because, you know, you don't want your 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 significant other to break up with you. So you're just doing it, but it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. Everything will seem all right. Yeah. Exactly. But when you really, really, and I've had that happen. Like I've, um, that's why I think I even went through that whole transformation that caused me to have this uh, change is yeah. that. It was major spiritual warfare, but yeah. can I mention one other thing too? Since we're talking about this, sure. I got I got to share this. Um, since we're talking about, um, did your father? It was it was it voodoo he practiced? It's Santeria. Santeria. Okay, I thought it was voodoo. Well, they practice both, and sometimes they don't know the difference between one another, and they mix it. Okay, and it still is the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> same effect. Same devil. Okay, same devil. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a guy. That I want to ex- the, the explain to you. I don't know if I've ever told you about him. I think I mentioned his name to you. Um, There's a guy who I, I learned about uh, a few years ago. He's a warlock. He was a former warlock, a voodoo warlock. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's even sure what a warlock is, but now that you explain, that's someone who runs a temple? Yeah. Okay. His parents have get, given him over. I don't know his real name. This is in Liberia. You know what Liberia is? Yeah. Okay. Um. 
for those of you who don't know Liberia, it's in Africa, and a lot of former slaves in America went there, and they tried to recreate a version of America in Liberia, but, you know, they, they, they didn't get the help that Israel, the nation of Israel got, so you know how that would go. <laughs> but, um, so he, his parents dedicated him to a temple. Yeah. And uh, as a warlock, and they gave him over mm-hmm. as a um, voodoo warlock. And he practiced voodoo or Satanism. No, I'm sorry, Satanism, straight up. And um, I can't remember his real birth name, but his warlock name was General Butt Naked, right? <laughs> like the like you don't wear clothes butt naked. Yeah. And the way he got that name was um, he would go to war. He okay, hold on a second. Let me. I'm getting ahead of myself. So he was a warlock, and he was in the temple, and these priests were like, hey, you have, uh, or what are they called? They call priests, the voodoo priests? Yeah. yeah, the priests were telling him, you have a big voodoo calling on you. Like, you're, you're, you're a megastar in the voodoo world, right? And um, because not only is he a warlock, but he's also a, um, a fighter. Like, he could, like, authority, a leader, an yeah. alpha, and yeah. calls. He goes, you have so many attributes, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So what he did was, when his parents gave him, like, his, literally his parents gave him over. He lived in, this, in the voodoo temple. And they gave him over, like, at 11 or 12. Wow. And they yeah. had to sacrifice a baby, a human baby. Oh, and he talks, he talks about this. That's strong. Yes. That's, like, the maximum level of Yes, <laughs> the maximum level. He sacrificed a baby. And then he had to eat the baby. So he said it took him days to eat the, to consume the baby. But he ate the whole baby. Wow. From, you know, top of the head, bottom of the ate them all. And he said that um, during that time, that's that's when you become an official mm-hmm. full-blown warlock. Yeah. And he said that Satan actually visited him, appeared to him in person, and was like, I don't know, telling him, you know, giving him kudos or whatever. Mm-hmm. And told him, like, no, you're not limited to this temple. You're going to go out and fight. Yeah. So he became a warlord and a warlock. And a, a warlord in Liberia. And that's how he got the name General Butt Naked. Because in the warlords in Liberia, they have names that are supposed to strike fear in their enemies. Mm-hmm. And other ones would have names like, uh, these are real names. I'm not making this up. General um, Tupac. Like the rapper Tupac. Yeah. <laughs> One was General Tupac. That was actually his... Um, Arch rival, mm-hmm. his enemy. They would fight a lot. There's, there was like, um, I don't know anything that would try to scare people. Yeah, you know. But his was butt naked, which is not sounding scary. Mm-hmm. But what, how he got that name was that before they would go to fight, he would like say if he's gonna go fight in say the, the what city are you from in the or village in the Dominican? Uh, I'm from Mocha. Oka. Mocha. Mocha. Okay, say so if he say he's gonna go to Mocha, when they go to Mocha, they'll find a kid. He told the soldiers find a kid. He would sacrifice the kid to Satan and then eat him before they go to fight. Mm-hmm. Then he would take off all his clothes. And the only thing he would have is his gun mach- and a machete. Yeah. And he would just go to full war naked. And he's, that's why I called him General Butt Naked because he was known to fight naked. Mm-hmm. And he never was shot. Like so many people around him, he's in the front. Mm-hmm. He never got hurt, never got injured. For years, you can look him up on Google. General Butt Naked Liberia. You can see pictures of him. He's naked. They blur his <laughs> his junk, right? And he's out there throwing down. And it went on for years. And then um, something amazing happened to him. He uh, there's a documentary. 
the channel Vice did a documentary on them. And Vice is that channel that's on HBO, but they're also on YouTube. It's V-I-C-E, the Vice channel. They went over there to go visit General Butt Naked to see how he was doing, right? Because these warlords, they took pride in in um and what they did and what they did and their yeah. gains. And they heard about this guy, like this is the ultimate. Because other warlords, they're just warlords. Yep. This guy's a warlock warlord, fights naked and eats kids. He ate so many kids because every battle they're eating a kid. Yeah, you know. So right when they get there, they go, "We're fighting." Okay, go go grab a kid. Sometimes they grab multiple kids and have his soldiers eat kids, but they had to be kids, innocent children. Yeah. And so uh, they went to check on him. Right. He was a different man. He's not even crazy. Mm-hmm. He you know when they found him, church. Yeah. They asked him what happened, yeah. and he said, "One day he was fighting." And like, like in between fighting and Jesus appeared to him, Jesus, he wasn't raised Jesus, Mm -hmm. never been the church, Mm -hmm. didn't know who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. Jesus appeared to him and told him, you're not supposed to be doing this. And what you've done is wrong. You don't kill people. You're, I am the real God. I'm the truth. Or I can't, I'm butchering what he's saying, but Jesus revealed who he was Mm -hmm. and told him that he's doing evil. And he said he felt so convicted that he turned himself in to the authorities as a warlord. Uh And they dropped the charges. They didn't charge him with anything. They just let him go. So he's like, he knew it was God because he had committed so many war crimes. He goes, what do I do with myself? So then God tells him, this is a real story. He's alive. You can see, preach the gospel. He got a Bible and started studying the Bible, learning about God, and he goes and he preaches, and he's a public speaker, and he talks about um, spirituality and spiritual warfare. And the crazy thing is that when Vice was there, Vice News, they're filming him. Mm -hmm. It's it's like an hour-long documentary. It's Mm -hmm. amazing, and it's real. This isn't made up. Even some, like, you can see news articles about him online anyways. Everyone in the world had reported on him because he was the most successful warlord in Liberia. Of all the warlords, he was the top. He was even hired. There was a corrupt dictator of Liberia. Mm-hmm. They hired him and his team wow. to protect the corrupt dictator. The dictator actually got arrested and sent to prison for life or whatever, right? Yeah. His team, that he never he never got in trouble for nothing, for mm-hmm. anything. And so when Vice was there, this is crazy. Vice was there. They're still, you know, Liberia is screwed up. It's destabilized, like, other every pretty much all the other africa Mm -hmm. and um he was talking and he's like yeah so you know he's talking he goes there's stuff there goes he goes i know that smell and they're and the news people were like yeah they had street vendors he goes that's human yes human that's human. Yeah. He goes, I know what it smells like. And he went over to the vendor. And he, no, because they knew that it was, he in Liberia, it's illegal to eat human, which yeah. it should be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he went over there and he uh, went to the vendor, reported the vendor. And the vendor got in trouble for selling human. Wow. Yeah, the guy was a street vendor in Liberia. Yeah. It looked like, you know, I don't know, street tacos or mm-hmm. whatever they were making over there. It was freaking human flesh, but he recognized the smell. He goes, I know the smell. And he talks about the shame he feels. It sounds like the Apostle Paul. Yeah. The shame he feels mm-hmm. and of 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 the people he killed, even the kids. I mean, could you imagine the guilt of not just killing a child, but sacrificing the child to Satan and then eating the child? And he's done that 
regularly through his adult life. Wow. So, but yeah, he's a pastor now, evangelist. And uh, yeah, General Butt Naked. But that's not his, that's his old name. His mm-hmm. new name, I, I don't know what it is. It's some ethnic Liberian name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's a full-on evangelist pastor now and preaching. Oh, one other thing. I got to tell you this about him. When he became a Christian, when he first started going to church, people were scared of him because they knew who he was. <laughs> and they're like, no, he's, it's a trap. They thought it was a trap. Yeah. It, it reminded me of, remember the Apostle Paul? Mm-hmm. Same thing. Remember, like, like, this guy kills Christians. Yeah, yeah people were horrified of... of, of, it, of uh, 